Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Is your child asking questions on their homework that you don't feel equipped to answer? Is your child just struggling with a specific subject or need help with their homework? If you're dealing with any of these issues, you could maybe benefit from IXL. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. And it's so cost-effective. A single hour of tutoring costs more than a month of IXL. I could have totally used IXL when I was in grade school. I was always having trouble with my homework. Ugh, I wish I had this when I was a kid. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And How To Be Fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com fine. Visit IXL.com fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. IXL.com fine. Hello, and welcome to How to Be Fine. I'm Jalanta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. In each episode of How to Be Fine, we weigh in on what's happening in the world of happiness, health, and betterment, and we offer a bit of advice to those who want it. Now, full disclosure, we are not psychologists or psychiatrists or doctors in any way, shape, or form, but we are experienced self-help critics. We have lived by the rules of nearly 100 self-help books for our other podcast, By the Book, so we have tried on almost every kind of wellness trend there is. And besides, we're not here promising to make all of you the best, richest, happiest, most productive versions of yourselves. If all goes well, we'll just help you feel a little closer to fine. All right, Kristen, we have some great advice letters to get to later on in this show. But first, as per usual, we are kicking things off with our hot topic. What is it this week? Today's hot topic is going damp. Ooh, going damp. And we're not talking about like our grandmother's basements or our socks when it's rainy outside, right? (laughs) No, we are not talking about socks or basements. Uh, We're talking about something else entirely. And I first heard the term going damp from you, Jolenta. What do you know about going damp? 
Okay, so I came across the hashtag going damp on TikTok back in January. And proponents of this hashtag going damp were saying like, hey, instead of dry January and totally giving up alcohol this month, why not just cut back or go damp? And it's been trending ever since. Like, it's not going dry. It's going damp. It's not pouring rain. You just damp. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. TikToker Hannah Elson, who's credited with coining the term going damp, says, I needed a way to understand that I didn't have to either go to a bar and black out or just stay home. Okay. So in other words, like practicing moderation or like mindful drinking, but in TikTok lingo for the kids. Yes, yes. You might say that, but full disclosure, Hannah does not. In a video pushing back against her critics, Hannah insisted the damp lifestyle was about way more than moderation or mindset, but also about actionable steps. For her, that initially meant no hard alcohol or no shots. Later, it meant pacing the hard alcohol by starting the night with a mocktail and then having a glass of water between each alcoholic drink of the evening. For other folks out there, going damp might be consuming alcohol only at major social events like birthdays, holidays, work gatherings, and weddings, or it might be just choosing certain days of the week to drink. Okay, I like the plan of action aspect of this, the sort of thinking ahead, not winging it, giving yourself some steps to live by part, because I agree with her. Mindset isn't usually enough. We've learned that from by the book. Indeed. By the way, every by the book episode in this very feed, if we have not yet mentioned that. Right, right. Just scroll on back. So now that the explanation is out of the way, I want to tell you some of the benefits and drawbacks of the damp lifestyle as I personally, Kristen Meinzer, see it. Let's start with the benefits. The first benefit is that people are more likely to succeed at going damp than going dry. A number of studies, including one published in Health Psychology that we'll link to in our show notes, conclude that one-third of people who attempt dry January fail. Meanwhile, because people going damp are setting their own goals and their own limitations, and because those goals are less restrictive, they are less likely to fail. The second benefit of the damp lifestyle is that alcohol abstinence can play out the same way as crash diets for some people, and we all know crash diets are a problem. You know, cut out the alcohol for a while, then go back to binge drinking, then cut it out again in an endless yo-yo cycle with zero introspection. Meanwhile, going damp goes deeper into the whys and the hows. Ian Anderson, who is a mindful drinking proponent, told InStyle, It's about recognizing the reasons for and the ramifications of drinking. It's about improving your relationship with alcohol so you maximize enjoyment and minimize negative side effects like hangovers, regrets, and anxiety. Now, the third benefit, as I see it, of going damp is health. Mm. According to the Alcohol and Drug Foundation, just cutting down on alcohol without even going dry can lead to better sleep, more energy, improved memory, better immunity, and better mental health. And the fourth benefit of going damp, in my opinion, is the timing. Dangerous drinking habits increased significantly during the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, leading to a 25.5% jump in alcohol-related deaths between 2019 and 2020, according to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. So the timing could not be better for a trend like this. 
And the fifth benefit, as I see it, is that young people encouraging other young people to cut down on blackout-inducing binge drinking is a good thing, regardless of whether it is coming from a TikToker coining a new phrase or from friends who are supporting each other. I don't care where it's coming from as long as young folks are supporting each other and saying, hey, you don't need to binge drink. Yeah. I like that this is all about both examining your relationship with alcohol and really driving home the point that like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to be going crazy blackout drunk at a bar or staying home completely sober. Like you can create a gray area for yourself and your relationship with alcohol. Yes. But Kristen, you did mention there are some drawbacks to going damp. I can't imagine any. What are they? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the first drawback is that self-proclaimed damp drinkers aren't necessarily practicing moderation. Hannah, as I already mentioned, will still have multiple alcoholic beverages in a night. And according to the Centers for Disease Control, moderate drinking for a woman is one drink or less per day. So by the CDC's definition, Hannah is not practicing moderation at all. The second drawback is that it's just not necessarily the best approach for people who are genetically predisposed to alcoholism, who suffer from alcohol abuse issues, or who suspect they do. And for those folks, real medical intervention, treatment, and support is needed. Going damp, the hashtag, is not going to fix those issues for you, obviously. I can't believe I didn't think that. (laughs) But Kristen, I have to bring something up. Even though I've never heard you personally use the phrase going damp until I told you about it, (laughs) I have to say you seem to have gone damp in this past year, it seems like. And you've even like gone dry for a few months here and there, right? That is true. Yes. I did dry February last year, 2022. And being a completist, I felt the need to bookend things and do it again this year, February 2023. And in between, I added dry November initially because I was sick and then because (laughs) I just didn't feel like drinking for the rest of that month. Yeah. And my reason initially for embarking on that first dry February was to just assess my drinking. Specifically, I wanted to ask myself, was my daily drink just a mindless habit to mark the end of my workday, or was it something I genuinely enjoyed? And in the end, I decided it was something I genuinely enjoyed five out of six times, or six out of seven even. More (laughs) often than not, I was just like, yeah, this is great. But it did mean that I cut back a tiny bit, you know, not every night having a drink. It's not like totally by rote anymore. Yes. (laughs) And as for going damp, my doctor wanted to do some new blood tests on me a few months back and thought she'd get a cleaner reading if I cut back on my alcohol even further. So before the tests, I reduced my drinking a little bit more. And ever since then, I've pretty much stuck with it, which means I think I've officially gone damp now because I'm only having like three drinks a week at this point. Oh my gosh. And how, how do you feel the two compared, like going dry versus going damp? Well, I know everybody's different, but for me, 
being totally dry, it just is not my jam. All or nothing situations, they make me think way more about the things I'm missing out on and you know, I fixate on those things than when I'm just living a moderate lifestyle. That tends to be the case with food, with alcohol, with just about anything. If you tell me I cannot have it, the deprivation just makes me fixate. And then if I slip up, it just gets worse. I figure, why even bother anymore? As I've mentioned many times in the past, I was brought up with the motto, if it's not worth doing right, it's not worth doing at all. And even though I try my best not to think that way anymore, it's often in the back of my mind. So who cares? I screwed right. up. I'm just going to keep on now screwing I'm going to drink the whole bottle of wine. Like, wait. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. Also, I just find being damp more fun. A lot of my friends and coworkers still like to get together over a drink. I enjoy raising a glass with them. I love having a cocktail on date nights with Dean. And in between, I like experimenting with mocktails, but I don't want to just completely get rid of the alcohol. That being said, personally, I never considered myself a problem drinker. My doctors have never considered me a problem drinker, and I'm not one of those people who lies to my doctor about how much I drink. I'm very honest about it. And I haven't done any deliberate binge drinking, like drinking to get mm -hmm. drunk, since I was in high school, which is a million years ago. I mean, as someone who used to drink with Kristen, like basically every weekend at a certain point or every Friday. <laughs> every Friday, yeah. Like, I can tell you, she can hang for a long time and nurse like one or two drinks while I have gotten perhaps blackout drunk. <laughs> She's not exaggerating. She is pretty good at this. Yeah, and then on top of that, I just... I've never enjoyed drinking alone, so I'm not at risk for, you know, that. As we covered in the Pants Drunk episode oh, of, right, yeah. by the book, I even tried drinking alone during that book, and I hated it. It just is not my thing, Yeah, you know? I, I'm not a fan of drinking beyond moderation. It's not my jam. But, Jolenta, what about you? What do you think about the damp versus the dry lifestyle? Well, I think it's interesting. I like it. I am like you, Kristen, where I have trouble with all or nothing for the most part. And if I slip up when I'm doing nothing, I go straight to all. And so I like <laughs> the idea of moderation. And again, like we keep stressing, I like the idea that it's not just like randomly cutting what you drink in half. It's moderation while assessing your ongoing relationship with alcohol. It's not just all or nothing. I have basically gone dry these past few years because of lupus. While I was getting diagnosed, every doctor I saw was like, we're not sure what's wrong with you, but like we can tell you regardless, quit smoking and drinking. Just do that <laughs> for right now because that will help. I was also smoking cigarettes at the time. Speaking of all or nothing, that's one thing that's a good example where if I slip up and have one cigarette, I'm all of a sudden being like, fuck it, let's buy a carton. <laughs> Which in New York is like, let's spend $100. Yeah, let's spend way <laughs> too much money. <laughs> so like I do practice all or nothing with some things, but I appreciate if your brain lets you have control over your relationship with alcohol, like why not? examine it and not just sort of keep drinking the way you have been forever. I think once I'm off my lupus medication, that's the reason I have to be sober right now because it's so hard on your liver. They're like, why add to your liver's workload? I do think I'll probably experiment with going dry a bit more. I do like a mocktail. Brad has taken an 
herbal mocktail course and he's made some like <gasps> cool like raspberry syrupy Ooh. stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. It was at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden, Kristen. I need to get in that class next yeah. time it's offered. So yeah. like now that I've discovered mocktails that, you know, don't just like taste like vinegar or, you know, bitters poured <laughs> into seltzer. Or just sugar. Yeah. Or just sugar. That's another one. Um, yeah. I like a fancy drink that doesn't need alcohol in it, but I might still have a, a glass of wine with dinner or toast champagne at someone's wedding once I'm able to drink. So I do think I'm going to like flirt with dry or like California sober, which is what I am now. Which is getting high instead of getting drunk. On the marijuana, folks. Yes. If you're not following what's going on, we're talking about the marijuana. Yes, yes. (laughs) Weed. But enough about me. Enough about you. Kristen, I want to hear our listeners' thoughts on going damp. Are you going damp currently? Is this just a repackaging of an old idea that we didn't notice? Share your thoughts with us at kristenangelenta at gmail.com or you can join the lively chat that's going on at our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash kristenangelenta. Coming up, we hear from a letter writer who wishes her friends were on the same page as her. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. All righty, we are back with our first letter of the day. Jolenta, I'll let you read this one. Okie doke. Our letter writer says, In the past, I used to spend an unhealthy amount of mental energy counting every calorie, fixating on my weight, and comparing myself to other women. In recent years, I worked hard to shift my energy away from these things. Part of this is thanks to the example set by the hosts of By the Book and other podcasts. Oh, 
Unfortunately, many people I love are not on the same page, and I'm subjected to listening to them talk about these things. Even when I try to shift the conversation away or outright say, that's great for you, but I'm trying to not fixate on these things, they'll bring it back. They'll even comment on what I'm eating. For example, at a recent brunch out, a friend said, oh, that looks delicious, but I could never eat that. Do you know how many calories are in that Cobb salad? A lot of people think because the word salad is in the dish, it's actually healthy, but and on and on and on. I find this toxic diet talk puts me in such a bad headspace, but I don't know what to do about it. I would appreciate any advice on how to stop it or block it. Thank you in advance. Oh, letter writer, I feel this pain so much. I have actually uh, had to tell certain friends, like, my weight is the least interesting thing about me. Or, you know, I'm glad that's working for you, but can we move on? And certain friends will always bring it back. And I think that part of that is we live in such a diet culture that for a lot of people, it's no different than talking about the weather. It's Mm. no different than talking about the latest movie. It's considered just a regular topic of conversation to talk about why their bodies are not good enough, why they need to be fixed, why they're eating the wrong things. And it's hard to get out of that cycle. I'm saying this also as somebody who used to talk like this all the freaking time when I was much younger. And I come from a family where the women talk like this all the time. And I feel your pain so much. I just feel it so much. I feel so bad for this letter writer. I know this pain. It's a rough one. I know it's not always the most comfortable thing to do, but I would say sometimes being more blunt helps. Mm. I tend to have less of a problem with it than than a lot of people. But, you know, I notice you say something really nice and approachable, like, I'm trying not to fixate on these things. But if you say something more like, honestly, when you talk about this, it makes me spiral and it can be like really damaging for like a few days afterwards. I really would appreciate if we didn't like just for me, you know. That's a nice way to put it, too, but very yeah. direct, Jolenta. Yeah. I would say you're direct, but nice. You don't have to be like, stop it. This is damaging. I fucking hate diet culture, and it's <laughs> killing us all, and like it's the bane of every woman's existence at the back of their mind. All of this is probably true. But I think if you really frame it as like, for me, if you could do me a solid, because it does like kind of hurt me. Yeah. And usually your friends can be like, oh, whoops, my bad. And often they'll be like, remind me if I like start going down that path. Like usually they'll be pretty understanding. If they're not, that's not very nice. Yeah. What I like about that advice, Jolenta, is you're really personalizing it. You're saying when you do this, this is what happens to me. So it's not just speaking in theoretics. It's not just speaking in, you know, good or bad. It's speaking to damage to me personally. And I think that if a friend loves you, that's going to be way more effective than the niceties you're currently using right now. So yeah, yeah, I think that's great. I have to say myself, when I've tried to shut down this kind of diet talk, sometimes it works for a little while and then it'll come back again a few weeks later or when quote unquote bikini season is coming up or when New Year's resolution time is coming up or when they're about to, in the next couple of months, be at an event where they're photographed a lot, suddenly they're talking about it all over again. And it's really, really tough. One thing I've had to do also is take certain people aside and just say to them, if you could, you know, I don't want to scold them in front of everybody else at brunch, but like, if you could not comment on how many calories are in my food, I would really appreciate it because of my history. I 
know the calories in every single food on this planet. I can tell you based on how many ounces it is, how many calories are in this food. I can tell you how many fat grams are in it. I can tell you all of this stuff in the most disordered way possible. So when you tell me this stuff, it's just putting me back in that headspace where I lived every moment of my life thinking about this. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to tell me how many calories are in my food. If you want to police food for yourself, that's fine, but it's really, really not good for me to be essentially quizzed on how many calories are in my food. And that's pretty much just taking your advice, Jolenta, and then just giving more of a specific example of totally. why. And um, I feel like what you're saying is a little gentler and kinder, and maybe what I'm saying sounds a lot angrier now that I no, think about no. it. No, <laughs> I think it's just another way of saying also, like, you know me. Remember, I used to be obsessed with this stuff. Yes. Obviously, I know how many calories are in it, but I've chosen to not, like, fixate on that because, like, it's not healthy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that, that I have found works in these situations, but it has to be with the right person, like usually someone you're super, super close with, is just a little bit of guilt. <gasps> like, Ooh, Jolenta. Like my mother is very steeped in, you know, 80s, 90s diet culture. Like there is a can of Slim Fast in her cupboard, <gasps> you know, like that old chalky, chocolatey, like gross ass. It's so delicious. You won't even notice you're not eating. No, sometimes I, it's a dessert. <laughs> like, yum. No, it's not. It's no, it's not. not. It's never a fucking dessert. It's not yeah. a milkshake. And I notice I'm not eating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, and she'll complain about, oh, she hasn't been working out or, oh, she's so fat and gross. And like, I'll just turn to her and be like, stop it. Because if you're fat, that obviously means you think I'm fat unless you're just talking out your ass. And in that case, why do it? My mom is like way smaller than me, like just stature wise. You know, she's five, six I'm five eleven. And uh, if she walks around talking about how she's like a behemoth, like how the fuck does that make me feel? And I make that known to her. And then it, it does shut her up for a little bit. Oh, <laughs> Sometimes a little guilt works. Oh, yeah. that's good, Jolenta. Like, I feel like you're calling me disgusting when you call yourself disgusting because I'm bigger than you. And if size is what we're going by, then like you clearly think I'm gross. And then she'll be like, oh, no, I don't. Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. And I'm like, exactly. Oh, that's good, Jolenta. That is good. Again, that is still just a version of being like vulnerable and open and not worrying about the other person's feelings as much as you seem to be letter writer, which is very nice and considerate of you. Yeah, you sound very nice letter writer. You really do. But yeah, I, I think Jolenta has some really great advice here. Mine is OK, but Jolenta, your advice, I think, is really good on this one. Yours is good, too. <laughs> But I want to hear what all of the listeners have to say about the situation. Yeah. What do you do when people who you love start bringing up that diet talk, those calories, how much weight they need to lose when they start policing your food? Mm -hmm. I, I would love to hear what strategies our listeners use and to hear if those strategies work or not. Is there something someone said to you that like stopped you in your tracks and made you stop yes. talking about diet culture? Yes. Tell us. <laughs> yes, tell us. You can write to us at kristenangelenta at gmail.com. And you can also hit us up at our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash kristenangelenta. Coming up, a letter writer wants to be reassured they made the right choice. Addiction plays hardball. 
he would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Okay, we are back and we have our second letter of the day. Kristen, take it away, please. Alrighty. Dear Kristen Angel Lenta, I interviewed for a job yesterday that was great for me on paper, but their numerous glass door reviews are absolutely horrendous. Apparently, they are an awful place to work. The person I've been corresponding with has been pushy and tactless, and they made some really presumptuous comments during the interview. They immediately offered me the job and then pushed me to make a decision for the rest of the day yesterday. If I was naive, I would have been flattered, but it seems like they desperately needed a body and did not care who it was. So today, I declined their offer. I couldn't shake the awful feeling I had about them and the glaringly bad reviews, but then I cried because I was really excited about the position initially, and I'm always afraid of making the wrong choice. I have a hard time trusting my gut, but I hope I made the right decision. But did I? Can you please give me some validation I did? You made the right decision. You absolutely you totally did. made the right decision. Yes, letter writer. You totally yes, you made did. the right decision. And I also think you were totally within your right to cry about this because part of it is you could be afraid you're making the wrong choice, but part of it is they disappointed you. This job seemed great on paper. They made you an offer like that is exciting in itself. But then through their actions and through reviews about them, their true colors sort of shone through and it's disappointing. And like you're allowed to be disappointed and cry even though you made the right decision. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, Jolenta. And I think you're spot on there saying that Maybe a lot of those tears were about the disappointment. Some of the tears may have also been about being treated badly. You say they were tactless to you. They were pushy. They were asking presumptuous questions. All of that is not how you treat a person, especially not a person who you're going to spend eight hours a day or longer with every day. You know, Mm -hmm. a third of your waking hours being spent with people who treat you like this, maybe that felt really lousy and that hurt and that hurt is worthy of tears. The disappointment that Jolenta was just talking about, that's worthy of tears. And this isn't about you making a bad decision at all. It's really not. Right. And also, I would say, like, 
sometimes trusting your gut doesn't feel amazing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You say you have trouble trusting your gut and you hope you made the right decision. You did a great job trusting your gut. It's just sometimes it doesn't feel like, ah, I did it. Trust in my gut. Like doing the way like I sort of thought it would back in my younger years. Where I'm like, there, I trust in my gut. I follow my instincts. Then now everything will miraculously feel less confusing and like muddled and yucky. And it's like, no, you just made the right decision for yourself. And the situation is still confusing and muddled and yucky. But I think you should take this as an example of how good you are at learning to trust your gut and like that you can trust it going forward. Because a company, if they're treating you this way during the interview process, when they're trying to woo you, yeah, and in offering you a job, (laughs) you know, they're pushy and annoying and disrespectful, essentially, like this is supposed to be the courting period. This is when they're supposed to be on their best behavior. So If this is what they're willing to put forward as like what they want the world to see, imagine what it's like behind closed doors, too. It's going to be even worse. So you are totally trusting your gut with this company that put like not such a great foot forward. And it makes all the sense in the world to not go through with it and to be disappointed and to cry. So I'd say you made the right choice and don't be hard on yourself. Yeah. And and I would say another way to frame this that might make you feel a little bit better is to use more concrete words rather than I trusted my gut. You could say, I looked at the evidence and mm. this is what the evidence was. I found the right. evidence from numerous glass door reviews. They said this to me. They treated me this way. They asked these kinds of presumptuous questions. These are the different things they did to me. This is my list of evidence. This is the evidence I am presenting to myself as I make a decision. This evidence is horrendous. I cannot work at a place like this. I can't do it. This wasn't about trusting my gut. It was about taking the evidence presented and doing what was appropriate with that evidence. And maybe intellectualizing it like that might make you feel a little bit better rather than using murky words like I trusted my gut. Trusting your gut is, as Jolenta said, something you did very well in this case. But again, maybe those concrete words will help you to reframe this and feel a little bit better about it. And that's what trusting your gut is, basically. Often sort of an unconscious like roll call of all this evidence and red flags and then a decision being made, right? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. So I think we agree, Jolenta. This letter writer you deserve all the validation. You nailed it. You did it. the right thing. You nailed it. And we're cheering for you. You're going to find another job where they actually treat you decently. We know you are. That is it for this episode of How to Be Fine. Huge thank you to our executive producer, Nora Ritchie, our producer, Chantel Holder, and our composer and engineer, Casey Holford. Reminder, you can always weigh in on the conversation at facebook.com slash groups slash Kristen and Jolenta. The conversation is always lively there. We want to hear your feedback. We want to hear your questions. You can also write to us at kristenandjolenta at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, maybe just rate us and review us wherever you're listening in your little pod player. Hit five stars, write what you like about the show. It helps people find the show. And of course, tell a friend about the show if you haven't, because who doesn't want to talk about being fine? Everyone. We all do. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolanta Greenberg. 
Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See you next week and stay fine. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.